1: hey guys welcome back to the podcast if you're new here welcome to the podcast for the very first time i'm glad you decided to come in and listen and join in um first of all right off the top if you're in any type of danger in a domestic violence relationship do not listen to this podcast hang up get a safety plan in order um get to your your local um services places that can help get you some shelter um dial 911 get some police officer assistance but do not listen to the podcast in order to um you know i I understand that that you want to listen in but don't do it if you're in danger so um the other thing is i'm going to give some information out and that's to the national domestic violence hotline number and that number is 1-800-799-7233 Again, that number is 1-800-799-7233. The National Domestic Violence Hotline number, um, they are a very good resource um, for assistance. However, if they're busy and you cannot get through, you can also go on DomesticShelters.org. That is a um, social media site that um, has all types of information about DV shelters, where your local shelters are, where your local organizations are that helps with domestic violence services. Also, you have a um, hotline number in your state. So, in any state that you're in, you can look up that hotline number. Look up your local crisis line numbers as well. Those are very useful, very helpful if you're in a situation and you're needing to get out. You need some assistance with uh, legal help. Uh, Anything that you need, they can get you to where you need to be. So, today I have a special guest, and her name is Catherine. And I'm not going to mess her last name up. (laughs) So I will let Miss Catherine introduce herself and uh, give y'all a rundown of who she is and what she does. If we have permission to record, Catherine, I'm going to let you introduce yourself.
0: Yes, ma'am.
1: <laughs>
0: and thank you, thank you so much, Misty. I'm super excited to, to be a part of this. And um, for everyone out there, my name is Catherine Polsonelli. Um, I do go by Cat, though. That's that's uh, what a lot of people know me by. My podcast has mine has that in it, um, and everything, even in my business. So um, I am I am a domestic violence um, survivor. Uh, I was in it for eight years, and um, I am now currently. Um, a CEO of a company I created called Agent Services Plus. Um, one side of it focuses on business management and the other side is actually for mine growth and personal development. Uh, and I'm also a real estate agent as well in the state of Tennessee.
1: Lovely, lovely. So, um, so uh, with all that being said, you know, you said you had been a survivor for, you had been out of it well, you, you survived it for eight years. And, and so how long have you been out?
0: I have been out, um, almost 10 years. So eight or nine years I've I've been out of the situation.
1: So when you got out of that situation, um, what are some things that you did? Did you reach out to your local services or did you, did you just come out and was able to maybe stay with someone or what exactly Mm -hmm. happened during that time?
0: So I, um, Well, first off, I'm very stubborn, um, so Mm -hmm. I thought I could you know, fix it, which is one of the reasons why I stayed as long as I did. Um, I was very blessed at the time I worked in a small medical facility and um, there was a gentleman there that was actually part of the um, court system and worked in the domestic violence area. I was not aware of that, but I became really good friends with him. And so after an incident um, that kind of like, you know, drew the last straw, I had a conversation with him and he actually is the reason why I made the call. So he gave me an ultimate and that was you've told me what happened so either you contact the police or I have to do it for you because of the way I'm involved so um, I did reach out to the police um, who then got me in touch with a local domestic violence um, center uh, that's in our hub around here and I was immediately taken over there and introduced to a couple of the advocates Um, but to be honest I never thought about reaching out um, to anyone prior to um it was just kind of a a daily struggle of getting through that day you know surviving Mm -hmm. that day to get to the next day um and figure out the plan as you go on I had two young kids at that time as well so um those resources to be honest I wasn't even completely aware of until um I made the move
1: Right, right so when you did make the move let me ask you to the advocates Um, How did they help you with the process? How were they able to um, help you get through the process in order to completely get out?
0: Yeah, so they were they were, they were were really fantastic. Um, I had a couple of different options. There was a shelter that was there. Um, I was lucky enough to be able to move back in with uh, family um, for a little bit of time during that situation, but um, they walked me through the entire process, um, really helped to kind of keep me calm. It was really nice to have people that, to be honest, most of the women that I dealt with had been in situations similar, um, so I didn't really feel as alone or embarrassed to tell anyone that I had been a part of it because they were very open with their stories uh, and they were really quick to get into action to get me out of that situation make sure that my children were safe uh, because I actually had one that was in school at that time and I knew that my um, ex was going to be going to pick him out and um, so they shut that down really quick so they were just they were really fantastic at like allowing me to just kind of know what was going on but take care of it for me as long as I gave permission because you And once I made that decision, I was in kind of such a shock that Mm -hmm. this was actually happening, um, that it was really hard to like navigate where to go from one step to the next.
1: Mm -hmm. So did you have to file a protection order against him?
0: I did. Uh, we immediately set um, an order of protection in place that day to protect my children. Um, so that was the first thing that was done. And then in the state of Tennessee, you have to go back into court um, to process a restraining order later mm-hmm. down the road. So it's a it's a whole um, it's a whole process uh, when it comes to the the legal side. And I understand it from their perspective because of how many calls and things that they do get in the unfortunate event that most people end up going back to that person um so that was a little stressful but yeah i did i did have that taken care of that day
1: that's good that's really good so were your advocates there present during your hearing
0: oh yes Yes. Um, There was always one or two of them that was there anytime that I had certain things I was required to go through. Um, they were really great at kind of holding my hand through the process. Um, they had some on-site counselors as well that I was Mm -hmm. welcome to talk to for free, um, to kind of just, you know, get some of it off your chest, um, and, and start dealing with the process. Um, and that was, that was really unique to have as well again especially knowing that most of the people that you're dealing with in those centers um at least from my um from what i saw they they had all been in similar situations and that was why they were now a part of this
1: Mm -hmm. so let me ask you another question so as a survivor have you ever felt the need to be an advocate yourself do you advocate
0: so I, I have thought about it for years um, the I have to say that the first priority was my kids mm-hmm. and um, kind of getting them set straight um, when when I left my abuser my kids were um, almost eight and 10 at the time. And so that was, it was a really huge struggle for them. So my first priority was, was with them. Um, Since then, um, now that I'm in a safe space, I've learned how to deal with a lot of things that I've been through. The emotions are a lot different than they were at that point in time. Um, I have started reaching out to other people. I do actually plan on writing a book Mm -hmm. about the first years of coming out of abuse and Mm -hmm. how to deal with that in ways that you can, get through it on your own even if you don't feel like you have a support system and it's something that I wish that i would have had more of um, and to help people get an understanding so that they don't feel like they're alone or that they're crazy for the thoughts that are going through their head
1: right right so so as many advocates you know even myself i mean there's there's a lot of ab- or a lot of survivors that i do meet, um, they, they don't really necessarily have that drive. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. they want to help and they want to be a part of, of advocacy, you know, and, and be at ad, advocacy, you know, ad, advocate advocate for different things. However, yeah. it's just not something that the, I think that they desire to want to do. Um, but then, yeah. you you know, you have some like, here I am myself. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I was out of mind for well over 20 years whenever I decided, hey, you know, actually, probably less than that but I wasn't ready to Mm -hmm. make that transition to being a full-blown advocate like it was in my soul to want to do it I think but then um, you know it just wasn't the right time because I was still going through the motions and I was still trying to heal and if Mm -hmm. you're not completely healed um, you know I say if you're not to the point to where you can at least deal and and listen to other women's um stories you know and Mm -hmm. and and you're not able to process that because of the trauma that you dealt with then it's not always the best thing for you to to do you know um because you will eventually put your pain back onto someone else or your anger because a Mm -hmm. lot of times pain comes out as anger (laughs) so you know because everyone processes trauma differently and we all heal in different moments of our lives. And some of us um, have to make that journey for the rest of our lives. I mean, even I, as an advocate, I mean, I have to do self-care. There's still that, you know, I have to self-care a lot. I have to, mm-hmm. you know, shut down and take care of myself and set boundaries and, and do all of these things. Do you, sit, do you do a lot of self-care yourself?
0: I do. And it's not something I learned until, honestly, about four and a half years after hmm. I got out of the situation so the the first few years were kind of a blur um, one of the the things that a lot of people do in the midst of dealing with trauma is they don't want to deal with it it's too much for those emotions and everything to continue to come back up so we stuff it in a box hmm. and from that what happens is is we we make ourselves busy Um, So whether that's with your kids, with your job, with anything, you're constantly looking for things to do. Um, And then if you do have downtime, you're either zoning out on TV or you're on the phone with somebody talking about drama or whatever you can, anything you can do to not have to be with yourself. And I did that for a really long time where I was just, I was so exhausted from helping everyone else, but I thought that's what I should be doing. And what I realized was it was because I was afraid to be with myself and sit with those thoughts and emotions Mm -hmm. and allow them to process so that I could actually get over it. Um, so I, I do practice it now. Um, my husband is fantastic. My kids are now teenagers. They're 18 and 15. Um, I've taught them how to deal with their emotions and things as well. So if we have a disagreement, um, it's very easy for someone to say, hey, I can't handle this right now and step away. And I allow that space and my family allows that space with me.
1: That's beautiful. I love that so much. So much, you know, because, um, you know, we we tend to like what you just said. I I totally agree with that. You, You pour everything into other people to try to keep from being with yourself. I okay. love that so much when you said that, because I did that when I was in my younger thirties and in my late twenties. So mm-hmm. everyone was embodied in Misty's house. You know, I mean, yeah, right. I was always like, Oh, the door's open. Yeah, sure. You can stay in my, in a room <laughs> So yeah. and, and, and not realizing, you know um, you know, where was the boundaries? Like I had none, I had no boundaries. I didn't really um, realize, Hey, listen, you know, this, this is not about you take, you need to stop taking care of everyone around you because you're neglecting your own self,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: and, and, and that was a big lesson for me, um, you know, and I didn't start learning that until I was later on and maybe in my mid thirties, possibly mm-hmm. almost even closer to my forties. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. yeah, so survivors, I, I've noticed this about us we tend to want to uh, take care of other people a whole lot.
0: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And it's funny that you say that because I was, I was actually just on a podcast the other day Mm -hmm. and we were talking about mindset and, and things along this line. And he said, what's interesting that he had noticed is anyone that's been through any type of trauma, then we want to help other people. And the reason he said a lot of the times why we want to is because we know what it feels like to mm-hmm. not have someone there for us. And so, therefore, we want to nurture others to give them that peace and that support, because at one point in time in our life, we did not have it ourselves.
1: Yes, absolutely. So, see, my my circle is so small now because I do set a lot of boundaries and probably walls <laughs> sometimes up against other people um, that when I do have like a really good friend do something very kind for me, like my birthday was last week and I had a really sweet friend and she sent me a $25 um, Starbucks card. Cause she knows I love coffee oh. and I was just like blown away. I mean, it was like I had hit the lotto, you know, mm-hmm. because I'm not used to that type of love like i'm not used to someone doing things for me because i'm always used to doing for others yeah. so whenever i did finally have someone do something kind and sweet for me i almost felt like i was just so humbled you know mm-hmm. and, and even like you know i've had this conversation with a few of my friends and i don't know how you feel uh, i won an award just here recently in september and i've worn you know one one for the podcast and stuff like that and uh I just felt so overwhelmed by it. Mm -hmm. Almost like I I was thankful and grateful, don't get me wrong, and I felt very blessed, but it was almost like I could not accept my accomplishment. Yeah. You know, like it wasn't even real.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, and I think that's because we, we've broken ourselves down in different compartments and we've been in such a survivor mode uh, from those relationships or whatever that trauma may be that mm-hmm. it's very hard for us to accept that we could do something good, that we could accomplish something um, and have that sense of pride and confidence in ourselves because when you've been through any type of abuse or trauma like that, Um, you lose that part of yourself, you lose that confidence, and you, you lose that appreciation for what you are good at. And a lot of times that's because it's been, you know, taken out of us, um, from that other person and it's, it's it's very hard even even I sometimes I, I have amazing people that I'm surrounded with that are always wanting to help and do things uh, and it's still hard for me sometimes to accept that um, mm-hmm. because I'm not used to people helping because I was in such a situation where that was not there for so long so it's kind of like there's a part of your brain that has accepted that it's not safe to accept other people's help, help because it's never been there and so you almost have to reprogram your brain and how it thinks to allow those thoughts to be okay so you almost have to like it's like walking your brain through the process of being a child and teaching it how to be a grown-up and tell it that this is okay and these are the reasons why and then give it the evidence to show what can come from it and what good can happen so that it will release that feeling and allow you to grow in that sense.
1: You know, and I love that. And that's exactly why I wanted to talk to you on this podcast, um, because you are so in tune with mindset and mindset. There's a lot about mindset. And sometimes you do have to get into a place to where you can have the positive mindset and the right mindset to overcome certain things in your life. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and so that's, that's why I am so proud you come on the podcast because I wanted people to hear your wisdom. I just think you're so brilliant um, with, with all of the things that you do. Um, But, you know, it took us what, two or three months to get you here because (laughs) (laughs) at my height listen my friend laura mosley would probably tell you the same thing um (laughs) it took her like at least about three or four months to actually get here on the podcast and Mm -hmm. so now she's like a two-time um you know person on the podcast (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) once you get here honey the the door will be open (laughs) so but yeah um so what what are some things that like maybe some advice you could give to someone like say, say, for instance, they're listening right now and they're like, you know, I want to I want to have a takeaway from maybe Catherine's story because we really haven't touched much on your story. And I, I mm-hmm. told you before we started, you know, you don't have to tell us certain things, you know, and and if you don't want to, because I mean, I know that. You've overcame a lot and you're thriving, you know, and once you get into that thriving part of your life, you know, it's hard sometimes to revisit the old, the old part of it because it's Mm -hmm. so very much back behind you. Um, But but what are some things that say a a victim of DV or someone who's newly surviving uh, some of the takeaways that they could get from you?
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, So the the first one would be um, be okay with telling your story. And, and the reason that I say that is because if if we stay in a place where we're just like, oh, well, it's behind me. Right. I don't I don't want to deal with it. It's not a part of me. Um, it, it still lingers there. So those thoughts, those feelings the stuff that you have went through still lingers there. So a big thing for me, and it was very hard, and it, it still is hard when I talk about certain instances. But the biggest thing for me was to tell my story. So whether that's telling my husband or writing it down for the parts that I don't necessarily want to tell everyone, and the reason being is because what it does is, when you do that um, and make sure that you have a safe space and you have at least you know thirty minutes, you have an hour to really process through this because a lot is going to come up, um, but it gives you a chance to actually process through it. And then what happens is, which is really interesting, is you actually build a piece of confidence that you were missing because then what you are telling to people becomes exactly what it is. And that is just a story. It's something that happened in the past and there's no emotion and there's no feelings that are tied to it. If you notice in the beginning for anyone that's telling their story or talks about it or goes into any type of detail, it's it's very hard, right? We relive those feelings. We relive those emotions. And it's almost like we're back in that moment at that time and it's it's very hard to get through that when you're in a safe space and you're able to feel that actually leaning into those feelings and giving yourself that space to let's say cry right it's okay it doesn't mean anything's wrong it doesn't mean that that person has power over you what it means is is you may not have been in a safe space when that item happened and therefore you've not processed those emotions and so it's very important to process those emotions um I'll give you a a prime example, um, through all the things that I've been through. And a lot of mine was more mental and emotional abuse than absolutely anything. And even my therapist told me when I went to see one that I had been completely brainwashed. So I, I, essentially lost my identity in being with the person that I was with at that time. And I took on the identity of whatever they told me that I was, um, So to give you an example, I'm still in that situation. My youngest one still visits him. um, And it's gotten to the point where he's now becoming emotionally abusive to my son. Um, And so I put a stop to that. I um, told him he did not have to go over there. We had a very long conversation. I made sure that it was my son's decision. And I was not influencing that. That was a huge part for me. And he's realized the things that his father is doing to him that he doesn't agree with. And I told him that that's okay if he doesn't want to be a part of that. But in the midst of all of that my body immediately went back to the day that I had him arrested and it immediately went back to all of the things that were still done to me and the things that he continued to try to do to me after I had him arrested, I had him arrested for stalking because he would show up at the bottom of my driveway in the middle of the night, almost every single night with a mask and a hat on so that nobody knew who it was, but I did um, and just stand at the bottom of my driveway. So those emotions came back out like a flood Mm -hmm. and I thought I had dealt with a lot of them. And so what I did was is I told my husband about it and I told him that you know I don't think things are going to be the same because I'm not in that same situation and that's something that I declared for myself that it's not going to happen that way but there were a lot of emotions that came up with that and so there was one evening that I got in the shower and I, I lost it like I just started crying out of nowhere and I was like what is going on and then I realized I'm like okay it's because I didn't deal with these things because I had to be strong for my family and I had to be strong for my children at that time right so I didn't have time to process those emotions. And so I just, I stayed in the shower, but extra 15 minutes, I had a good cry. I knew what it was. I told myself it was okay. I reminded myself that I'm in a safe space, that he can't hurt me and that this is just a part of it. And then I was fine. And when I got out, my husband asked me if I was okay. And then, so I kind of explained to him and I told him what happened. I was like, it's, it's fine. I said, I understand that it's emotions that I have to still deal with and process. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was just there for me. And if I wanted to talk about it, I could. And if I didn't, I didn't have to. And that, that was that. So it's very, very important to make that space for yourself to allow yourself to process that that was a very hard thing for me. So if anyone takes anything away, um, That was probably the hardest thing for me in the beginning. Um, I would catch myself crying on the way home from work. Um, A song would catch me, and it would just bring back all these memories. And I would suck it up and wipe my face real quick, right? And I'd pick my kids up, and I'd be fine. And I would go home, and I would cry a little bit at night, and I'd be like, I can't cry. He still has control of me. I freaking hate him. This is his fault. And so I kept forcing those feelings back down, but what I realized was it wasn't – him and he didn't have control over me it was that my body had not had a chance to process all of the trauma that i had been through on a daily basis for that eight year span
1: right yeah yeah i felt that just then i felt every bit of what you just said um and so i i call it triggers uh you know Mm -hmm. that triggered you in such a way and a lot of us survivors get so triggered over things that Something might have happened per se in that abuse. And so then we find ourselves years later and something, you know, happens outside, you know, maybe to a family member, maybe to a close one or something happens. And then bam, we're back in that spot because it triggers us and Mm -hmm. it triggers us. It triggers that, that old familiar, you know, abuse that we once went through. So we just fall apart at the seams you know, sometimes, and when and, and it's okay to fall apart the scenes because we got to pull ourselves back together, we got to be able to process those feelings, and, and learn to ha- learn how to deal with that, you know, mm-hmm. and learn that it's okay to be sad, and be, be crying, or do what you got to do, you know, and, and I remember, you know, telling my husband, I had a triggering moment one time, and, uh, you know, my father got killed when I was just a baby, and so I still, when I get, I notice whenever I get triggered sometimes or when I have in the past that I have wanted to go to my dad's grave, you know, or I've wanted Mm -hmm. to talk about, you know, how lonely that I have felt growing up not having my father here. Um, And, you know, I know one day my husband, you know, he was just like, you know, well, you're just going to have to be strong. And I said, I don't have to be strong every day. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, I know that I'm a strong woman, but there's sometimes that I don't always need to be strong. I I should have those days, and yeah. that was a day that he was just like, okay, okay. What it was was he was trying to fix me. He was trying his best to just say something, anything to yeah. for me to stop crying. You know what I mean? Because yeah. he he didn't know how to process my emotions because he was just like, oh gosh, well what have I said and done? And then yeah. and then he understood where I was coming from, and then all he did was hug me he was like well just come over here let me just hug you and and that made me better just his hug I because I just wanted to fall apart for a second (laughs) you know and so you know there's been moments like that in our relationship uh he also went through trauma so we are both you know two survivors who have navigated our ways through our marriage And there's been some cries and there's been some, you know, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you moments. But at the end of the day, we've been together for 11 years. And so we come back together as survivors. We know know where our limitations are. We know when we're triggered or when things are not going the way they were planned. But we have both matured mentally and physically, I feel like, with each other as a couple you know and it's just marriage is hard work anyway (laughs) so So, but he's a wonderful person and i would not give anything for him i mean at the end of the day he he's put up with a lot (laughs) he's had to hear about domestic violence now since we've been together uh you know and i say you know he's my uh, he's my rock he really is he really is Mm -hmm. my rock he's been here since since i started rocking the podcast since all the work that i do i mean he's there for me uh you know and and he cried when i went and accepted that award mobile um he cried because he was so proud it was just like a proud moment for him Mm -hmm. yeah but this is not about me or my podcast here so let me get back to (laughs) you before i get back on me
0: (laughs) oh you're fine and i would say too that a lot of people. Um, Yes, definitely. It's triggers. And I think um, the biggest breakthrough for me with that was understanding that you're going to have triggers throughout your life. Mm -hmm. um, And some of them are just a a lot more deep rooted than others. Um, And that's okay. The biggest thing that I think we fault ourselves is we try to get rid of them. And so when we don't eliminate it completely, we feel like we failed. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the difference is understanding that a trigger can still be there. I still have things that catch me off guard. The difference is, I know how to handle it now, and I know what that feeling is, and I know how to bring myself back down a lot quicker and move through the motion Mm -hmm. versus getting lost in it like I
1: used to. Oh, that's wonderful. I'm so proud of you for everything you do, Um, but we are at the one minute mark, so I'm going to let you do a quick shout out of where can people find you Um, real quick
0: Yeah, sure. So uh, you can find me anywhere online. I'll actually be underneath my business name, which is Agent Services Plus. So I'm on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. Um, you can find me on my personal page if you can spell Polsonelli. <laughs> you'll see my stuff. Yeah. Um, you can also find me on my podcast as well. That actually just was released. Um, it's called Real Chat with Cat, um, and it's more along the business lines. We do wrap in mindset and things like that. And if anyone is is looking to connect, I always okay. pay attention to my private messages and my my dms yeah. like please reach out to me um i'm more than happy to Bye. have conversations and help people on any level that i can
1: great so guys thank you for joining the podcast we're done